right, let's take our Bibles and we're going to start in Galatians chapter 1, but we're going to spend most of our time tonight in Philippians chapter 3 in the book of Galatians here. Paul is giving his testimony. He is trying to explain to the people of Galatia that his message is not Paul's message, but God's message. It's not something that he is doing to please men or doing to gain... Uh, Deborah, don't do that. Come on. Uh, he is not doing this to gain... Uh, the accolades or, or the uh, approval of men. He wants to give a message that belongs to God. And in fact, he is so strong. He says, if any man preaches, or even himself includes himself in this, he said, if I come back to your town and preach a different gospel, he said, you should count me as accursed, condemned to hell forever, away from God and His truth, if we change the message that has been preached. I, uh, I wish we could get a little dose of that in some of our Bible colleges and things today because people are changing the message of the gospel. And um, we, we look here and we come down to verse 24 and he's kind of summing this whole thing up. He, he says that now I'm a Christian and I've, been trying to uh, 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 preach and teach the truth here. In verse 24, he says, And they glorified God in me. Now, if that is not the greatest testimony that a, a person could have as a Christian, uh, then I'm not sure what would be. Uh, the idea that Paul said, listen, people looked at my life and the change that Jesus made in it, and they realized that the only thing that could have made the difference was God. They glorified God in what they saw happening in my life. Now, we, I would hope that every one of us here tonight would somehow desire that to be said of our walk with the Lord. Amen? I mean, that, that would be a, a, a wonderful thing that when your life is over, when, when, when it is finished, that people could say, I give God the glory for what He did in that life. Put your name in there. Boy, that'd be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? And so this is Paul's testimony here. And Paul said, this is what happened. Is these people looked at me. Remember, Paul was the murderer of Christians. He believed in door-to-door visitation, trying to arrest Christians and haul them off to jail. And now he was preaching. And it said that when Paul... Uh, went back to Syria and Cilicia where he came from. It says, verse 23, But they heard only that he which had persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorify God in me. Now let's turn over to Philippians chapter 3. And this is a, 
just a favorite passage of mine. It's, it's one that uh, I come back to often. You need to have certain places in the Scripture that you just come back to time and time again. Because as a human being, um, none of us are up all the time and just 100%. Oh, we're just really... Um, I think I've told you the story of the evangelist I met that was that, t- that way. Uh, he's with the Lord now. He knows better. Uh, but, I mean, he was the happiest man I think I'd ever met. But there's always something just a little strange. Because, I mean, he just big smile on his face. And, and uh, we were sitting there uh, at, a, at a table. And um, somebody said, Brother so-and-so, how in the world are you so happy all the time? He says, I lie. Just like that. I mean, deadpan face, he said, I lie. And then he went right back to being happy again. And, and I'm sitting there going, you know, this just ain't the way it ought to be. It should not be this way. We should not have to pretend in our service for God. Because God's truth is not put forth by our lives. It just isn't. It's not helped. Now, I do know one guy that was, I mean, he's just bubbling over. He's been here several times. How many remember Paul Roush, uh, the clarinet player? Uh, I mean, that guy is incredible. I mean, I, and I asked his son, I said, is Brother Roush always like this? He said, yeah. He wakes up happy. He is so disgusting. And... And uh, I'll tell you, uh, that is a real testimony. Amen. His son, and it's it's really funny. Miss uh, brother uh, brother Roush's son was a whole lot like brother Roush's wife. Uh, she's a lot more somber and on the darker side. And, uh, and I mean, there's the only thing I've ever seen get brother Roush in a tizzy is his Christmas concert and spring concert. He is a musician. But other than that, I mean, that guy is just uh, bubbling over with the love of Jesus. And, uh, but in, in your life, in my life, I have passages that, that when things just aren't going exactly the way you want them to, you go back to them and you just kind of set them up as a place to come back and remind yourself of what you're doing. Now, Philippians chapter 3 is one of those places in my life. In fact, uh, if you've uh, been in my office, I have hanging on the wall a an original page that was printed in the year 1611 in a first edition King James Bible. You know what passage is on that? Philippians chapter 3. And it's really funny, in the, in the outline at the top, you know, it says, Paul giveth up all for Christ. And uh, in the first edition King James Bible, on the one side it says, belly gods. Uh, because you go down here to the very end of chapter uh, chapter 3, and the last verse, it says, uh, wait a minute, not the last verse, uh, verse 19 says, whose God is their belly, 
And so that's the translators actually put that up there as a mark so you could find that verse. And it's kind of funny. It reminds me of of another one of the things I battle with. Amen. And we all have to work on those things. But we're going to come down here to verse... Uh, verse uh, 9, and uh, that's where we're going to start. It says, And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being made conformable unto His death. Now, let's just back up actually to to verse 7. It says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You know, Paul, if anybody in this life had something to glory of, had something to uh, talk about, I mean, Paul had some things to talk about. He had degrees, he had an education, he had a history. He had uh, a knowledge of the Bible, but it wasn't a knowledge of, of the truth that's in the Bible. And Paul literally lost everything that was in his life so that he could serve Christ. The people that he served were the scribes and the Pharisees. They were really happy when Paul became a Christian, weren't they? In fact, it's... Interesting, if you read the accounts, it seemed like, you know, Paul was going to these chief priests and scribes and getting letters from them to go to Damascus. And then toward the end of the book of Acts, it was these same chief priests who were accusing him to the Roman government. And he said, if they would come down and testify, he said, I used to work for them. And... Yet, during one of Paul's trials, he did not even recognize who the chief priest was. As he called the chief priest's hypocrisy exactly what it was, and he said, I'm sorry. He, he, he said, as someone said, answer thou the high priest so? And he said, brethren, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that this was the high priest acting like this. And, uh, and, and so, Paul... Uh, had an interesting history. He says, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss. He said, I suffered the loss of all things. He said, And I'm not worried about it. There's an awful lot uh, of speculation about Paul's marital history. And I mean, they, they write books about it. How that if Paul was a member of the Sanhedrin, then he had to have a wife. And, and uh, you know what? We do not know what Paul had before. But we know one thing. When he served Christ, he did it alone. And uh, chances are he did not have a wife and never sought one that he could serve 
Christ. And, you know, we get to that last phrase there. Hang on just a minute. I'm popping this mic tonight. There. See if we can stop that. We, we look at this last phrase, and we've been over this on several occasions. It says, And do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Now, we read over that very quickly, and we careful how we pronounce that certain word in there because we don't want people to think that we're being profane in the pulpit and all of these things. But this is simply what Paul is saying. We've, uh, you have not had so much here because I, I do my best not to let people like that come here to the church. Uh, but I've met many over the years that want to explain to you all of the things that they gave up so that they could be a servant of Christ. Paul says, you want to talk about what you gave up? He says, here, I'll talk about what I gave up. But let me tell you what I think of what I gave up. Not very nice, is it? And uh, I'll tell you, that's the heart that brought about that statement in Galatians chapter 1. And they glorify God in me. You see, if we're trying to, if we think that somehow we have some kind of achievement in this world, if we're trying to hold on to something and say, listen, look what, look what I have. Boy, I'll tell you, it will stop us from serving Christ. We've got to get rid of those things, and we can't get rid of them quick enough. A lot of times when a religious person, if you're dealing, trying to witness to a religious person, it is very difficult for them to give up their religiosity. Well, see, I've been with God all along. No, you haven't been with God all along because you didn't get God until you got saved. Amen? You didn't get God in your life until He got you. All of you. And uh, it's hard to put those things in that past aside. But Paul did. He said, there's only one thing that matters in my life. He says, I want to win Christ. I want to be approved by Jesus Christ. That's what win Christ means. It's not a prize that we're awarded salvation if we work hard enough for it. It is that I can win the truth that I can be worthy to be called a Christian. I mean, we use that word today uh, the word Christian uh, means someone who's not a Muslim. And, and it's funny, every, every once in a while I, I've had people say, Now, are you a Christian or are you a Catholic? Say, oh, I'm a Christian. And uh, Now, Catholics aren't Christians, are they? Well, no, not really. Uh, neither are most Protestants, by the way. Uh, but that is the word. The typical meaning of the word Christian is anyone who's not a who's not a member of some other kind of non-Christian religion. But Paul says, "I want to win Christ. 
I want to be worthy of that title. The word Christian means Christ-like. And then it says in the next verse, it says, and be found in Him. Have you ever thought of what it's going to be like when we stand before the throne of God? You ever thought about that? I mean, it's just you and God. We ought to meditate on those things on occasion. Because every one of our lives is going to be brought into account before God. And Paul says, listen, when I come into judgment before God, he said, I want to be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness which is by the law. He said, I don't want anything attributed to my account that I have done because if I've done it, then it's not acceptable to God. It's got to be what God does. And we come through here, it says, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Sometimes we get so busy trying to accomplish something for God that we end up pushing ourselves farther away from Him. It's got to be God that does the work. Amen? And then we come to that next phrase there. He says, The righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. He says, I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection. How can we know the power of His resurrection until we're dead first? Until we come to the end of ourselves. Alright? Okay. And... As we come to the end of ourselves, we are made conformable unto His death as Jesus died and rose again from the dead. So we died to ourselves, our sins, our plans, our wishes, our future, our hope. And the life that we now live is empowered, is worked, is is lived through us by Jesus Christ. And that is what prepares us for the resurrection to come. Amen? That is what will make us, verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, Paul's not saying, he's saying, listen, I, I know that I'm saved. In fact, he's going to reaffirm that in a few minutes. He's not saying that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, meaning that I may someday be worthy of salvation. But uh, the idea here is, if by any means, he said, if my life on resurrection day when I am standing before God will count for something. And that's what we want. Amen? You know, Paul said they glorify God in me. That's a wonderful truth. But are we willing to go through this losing all things and not worrying a thing about it? He said, I wonder, I couldn't get rid of those things fast enough. 
He says, because the only thing I want about my life to be known is that I'm found in Him. The righteousness that I have, I want it to be the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The power that is in my life, I want it to be the power of His resurrection. There is going to be a fellowship of His sufferings. If your Christianity doesn't cost you something, Jesus said, with much tribulation, or actually Paul said that, that we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. Our relationship with God should cost something on this earth. Amen? It should not be acceptable to the world. That is the battle that is faced, that we face today is in the churches is trying to make our Christianity acceptable to the world. You cannot do that. And um, then Paul says, verse 12, and he comes into this last section that we're going to deal with tonight. He says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus... Now, first time you've read that verse, it just kind of goes right over top of your head. I mean, you've you got to read it very carefully. He said, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. He said, I do not consider myself uh, perfect in my relationship with God. He said, but I'm following after, I'm chasing after I am trying to apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, Jesus has got me. And I understand that my salvation is forever, that I cannot lose it, that the life He gives me is everlasting. I understand that. He said, but I am still striving because I cannot just sit on my blessed assurance and wait till heaven comes. He says, I've got to do something. Now, it reminds me of a verse that Jesus spoke, the Luke chapter 17, I believe Jesus to, uh, told the disciples about the price of offending these little ones. He said, it were better if a millstone were hanged about your neck and you're cast into the sea. And what was the disciples' answer? They said, Lord, increase our faith. And he said, this is what you say. He says, we have done that which... We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. That's what Paul was saying right here. He's saying, I understand that I am apprehended that Jesus has a hold of me. But I am still in that striving process. In fact, in... In the next verse, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, we like this verse. Amen. I mean, you ever had just a rotten day? And I mean, everything went wrong. Everything you tried to do turned to mud. And you just... Sometimes you just come home and want to have a pity party at the end of a day. Anybody ever done that? Uh, and we read this verse and we say, 
Oh, I love this verse. Forgetting those things which are behind. It is gone. I don't have to remember it or be haunted by... I mean, people spend their whole lives haunted by some event in their past. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. And by the way, great accomplishments can be just as damaging as great failures. You've got to put the past behind you. But I'm promising you this. You cannot live this verse until you go back to verse 7 and 8 and start there and work your way through. Because you'll never put those things in the past behind you until you're willing to count them but dung that you may win Christ. Amen? And so we, we have to realize that this verse here is in the context uh, of the other verses. And verse 14 says, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. I love the Apostle Paul. He is so blunt in the way he says things. He says, listen, if you want a perfect mind, here it is. I've just given it to you. You take everything that you've accomplished, count it but dung that you may win Christ. When you stand in judgment that you may be found in Him, not having your righteousness by the things you do, but the righteousness which is of the faith of God. He said that I may know Him. He said, I want to experience the power of His resurrection. If you're going to do that, first you've got to be dead. Amen? Dead to yourself. Dead to the world. Dead to sin. Alive unto God. Prepared for His service. He said, the fellowship of His sufferings. Don't, don't get excited. When suffering comes your way, Jesus suffered. Sometimes He calls upon us to suffer. Amen? It is a privilege to suffer the right way. But when we suffer for our own faults and our own sins and, and the wrong things we've done, that's just getting what we deserve. It says, being made conformable unto death, unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. This is my daily attitude. I take those things which are behind and I can forget about them. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? I don't have to carry around my past. Oftentimes dealing with uh, different people in a, in a... Especially, I think marriage is probably the, the worst... Uh, thing you can have for your forgetter. Uh, it, it just refreshes your memory because when that husband and that wife have a disagreement, it's not this one little item. It's 25 years of this little item that's brought back to memory. And, uh, and uh, that, that can be uh, one of the most destructive forces known to uh, a marriage is one we go back and we don't forget those things which are behind. We write them down and keep them in a log so that we can bring them up and use them against anybody at any time. And, and that can happen in, in, in almost any relationship. In fact, if you find yourself in a situation where you're, you're just uh, can't... Uh, can't understand why you are getting so angry about something, it's probably 
because it's a repeated matter and you're not dealing with just one situation but a whole lot of those situations. Book of Proverbs, he that repeateth the matter separateth what? Very friends. And so we better watch out those things because here it says forgetting those things which are behind. Can you trust God with the past? That's what you got to do. Then you can press forward unencumbered by your failures and your successes. And it says that is the mind that we must have. And look at the second half of verse 15 and then we're done. It says, And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you, unto you. He said, if you're thinking any way different than what I just explained, if you'll let God, He'll show you that exactly what I am said is the way you ought to think. Uh, That's what Paul's saying. Uh, He's saying, if you're you're not agreeing with me, if you'll just let God talk to you, you'll agree with me because what I'm telling you is true. Uh, I'm not telling you how to think. I'm just telling you how to think. Uh, uh, I'm not telling you what the right way to do it is. I'm just telling you that anything else is the wrong way. And uh, Paul is, is simply here saying, listen, if you want a perfect mind, this is it. And it is this idea that no matter how far I have come in my Christian faith, I've not gotten there yet. You say, how will I know when I get there? And it's real easy. You'll just pass from this life into the next. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but when it comes time for me to die, I want to die trying. Amen? I don't want to be just sitting there waiting for death to come knock at the door. I want to be doing something. And that's what Paul's talking about here. I haven't attained. I'm still pressing toward the mark. And... You can't do that until you go back and go through this process. And then, let's just turn back to Galatians chapter 1 and we'll read that verse and then we'll be finished. It says in verse 24, it says, And they glorified God. Verse 24, Galatians chapter 1, And they glorified God in me. And all God's people said, Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You in prayer. We ask that You would work in our hearts and in our lives. We ask that You would take over this time of invitation. And before we say Amen to that, we'll just open the altar and if you need to come and spend a little time in prayer, you may do so.